just to share a little uh, vision for where we want to go this morning. Um, I'm going to just share a little bit more about 10 days. I like to kind of just, you know, get the basic vision out there for people towards the front end. Um, and then we're going to have a time um, this morning. I'm going to share for a few minutes, and then we're going to have a time of just hearing from different people who've done 10 days in their city. It's going to be more like a roundtable discussion. Um, we'll have a little break in there um, just just for a few minutes, but but then we'll 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 enter into that discussion time, hearing testimonies, just hearing what God has done. I think a lot of times that's the most effective um, thing. And two, if people have questions or want to ask questions, it'll be kind of like a conversation um, for maybe the last hour or so. So, but I'm going to share a little bit more about ten days. And um, yeah, that's the that's the plan. We do have catered lunch, so that's great, and it's supposed to be really good. It's going to be southwestern food, so I'm excited. And it's spirit-filled food. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, but all right. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Um, so I've got, I'm going to kind of do two, I'm going to do a two and one. Um, I shared yesterday about Jesus' prayer in John 17, how it's ridiculous, how he intends to do that. Um, and we're going to hear other people hitting on that theme throughout the time as well. Uh, but I want to focus today um, on why, why should we do 10 days? What is motivating this? When you're asking someone to really make a significant sacrifice, so if you, if you got this one that says, what is 10 days? Just flip, you know, about three pages in, and I'm going to kind of go through that. Um, you're asking someone, uh, stop everything for 10 days to seek God. And as Americans, I think just speaking for the Americans in the room, probably the biggest idol that we have, one of the biggest idols, is busyness, right? We love to work. <laughs> like in Europe, they're like, let's have a 30-hour work week. Americans would hate that. We would be like, what are we going to do with the rest of our time? You know, we'd, we'd find other things to work on. Um, I don't know any other people who, when you ask them, hey, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm busy. That's how we respond, right? And so 10 days is this invitation to step away from busyness and to rest in the presence of God. And so for Americans especially, it's very countercultural. Um, so if we're making this ask to people to invite them into this season of consecration, and even to do it on an annual basis, I mean, maybe you do it one time in your life, but would you do it year after year? I feel like it's important to know the why. There needs to be something compelling people from the inside. And that's honestly, that's been the biggest problem has been finding um, in terms of this. And, and I get it, like, it's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit out there. It's not normal. Um, but we're responding to a God who's made these promises that are so out there, we need to pursue them in maybe a little bit of an unorthodox way. So why should we do 10 days? I'm going to give seven reasons. First of all, I think... Um, Whenever people ask me, I always, hey, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of like Paul, how he says, 
you know, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. So I had an encounter with God, and he told me to do this and to call people to do it. So that's why I'm doing it. It's, it's about obedience. Um, but I think also it's important to realize people, so you could say, like, this is like my gift or, you know, but we don't get gifts for ourselves. We actually get gifts for other people, right? And so um, Grant has a gift, right? But Grant's gift isn't for Grant. It's for me and for you and for others and, and for the body of Christ. And so this 10 days thing, God's purpose, I believe, is, you know, for us to respond corporately, for a corporate response. Um, if you think this is from God, like, let's enter into it together. Let's seek him, or let's just at least seek him on how to respond um, to this strategy. I believe it's, it's, we can respond in obedience and be like, hey, we, f we feel God is emphasizing this at this time, and then seek to understand how we can fit into that um, as individuals. Um, I love what uh, my friend Louis Burgos says. He's like, do you really think the devil is calling the church to unite and pray and fast for 10 days? Does that sound like the enemy's plan to you? <laughs> He's kind of like, it's not going to hurt, right, if we do this. And I think that's really true. This is, this is a, a powerful uh, dynamic, and it is God's idea. It's a, it's a God thing. Um, why should we do 10 days? Number two, um, it's because it's an extravagant offering of love to a worthy God. You could just say God is worthy of it, right? What is that uh, story, the story of uh, the woman who, who came and broke the bottle of perfume at Jesus' feet, right? And everyone is offended by this thing, aren't they? And the smell is filling the whole house, and she's wiping his feet with her hair and with her tears. Just this incredible, in, incredibly intimate thing. We, you know, we did the foot washing last night when, you know, but to be wiping his feet with your hair and with this perfume, you know, it's very sensual. It's very um, scandalous. But it was this extravagant offering um, that she offered. And then the Lord says, what she has done will be told throughout the entire earth as a memorial to her. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine the Lord saying that to you? I mean, I just, what they have done will be told, you know, to the whole world. And just the thought of that, to be able to offer an offering like that to the Lord um, is, is kind of mind-blowing, right? If we could move and touch his heart in such a way that he would, that he would feel like that about us. I just think about that, you know? Like, could I be like that? Because the reason that he wanted it told to the whole world was as a memorial to her, but also because this is so eminently something that we should imitate and do, right? And so I believe 10 days is something like that. It's this extravagant offering of love um, to the Lord. Um, in 2005, I got, right after I got the vision for 10 days, I traveled for five months all over the U.S., just in faith. I had this crazy faith um, that God was, like, going to bring revival to America that year. <laughs> and that if I just, like, went for it and gave everything I had, that God would move and God would respond. And so um, I had spent five months traveling, 
Um, I was exhausted. I didn't really realize it because I was in my 20s and I didn't realize like I could run out of energy at that point. Now I definitely am aware of that. Um, and so I'm traveling all over, having all these meetings. Some of them are amazing. Like I'm, I'm having my first, some of my first experiences with the Holy Spirit, um, just powerful experiences, facing all this rejection as well. Um, you know, just, just all these crazy experiences. And we come into 10 days. It was a spring 10 days. It was leading up to Pentecost. It was part of the global day of prayer. And I'm just confident, like, God is going to move. God's going to pour out his spirit. It's going to be like the day of Pentecost, like revivals coming to America. But I'm also, like, at the same point, our 10 days is like a complete disaster. We're trying to have 24-7 prayer. We've called all the churches in the city of St. Louis. So we not only traveled all over, but then we're working in St. Louis to do this. St. Louis is my hometown. Yeah. And... Um, so we've called all these churches. We're trying to get them together. We have three locations. We have no idea what we're doing. We have three locations because we're just confident like all these people are going to respond <laughs> and come. And basically, no one comes. Almost no one comes. And we're trying to do 24-7 prayer, and it's like me and Cassie, me and my wife, and our dog, and uh, who's a puppy, right? And like, basically, my wife got the dog because she's like, you're gone all the time, and I need someone to keep me warm. And um, then the dog gets hit by a car. We're, and we're, like, in the inner city of St. Louis, which is like, the, it's like Detroit, you know? It's, it's like boarded up houses. It's horrible. And people are getting shot, like, down the street from us while we're there doing 10 days. And um, it's, it's just this very oppressed area at this and so anyway, this is going on, and, and honestly, like, I'm like, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. He gives me that scripture from Revelation. I've given Satan permission to tempt you for 10 days. I'm like, oh, great, this is not good. <laughs> and so we get to the end of 10 days, and then there's this global day of prayer event, and it's in a stadium, and there's like 3,000 people there. And I'm just th like, there's no revival. There's no outpouring of the spirit um like i'm out of money my marriage is in trouble i'm emotionally physically exhausted i've like given everything i've got i've given everything and it culminates in this kind of prayer meeting and you know how i feel i just hate i hated the church i hated the church i'm like these people can't even like come out for one prayer meeting and I've given the last five months of my life to get here and then I just was mad at God I was like God I can't even handle working for you I quit I just told God I quit and what followed was nine months of kind of especially immediately I just got more depressed than I'd ever got in my life and um, it was pretty bad the only reason I didn't lose my faith is that I hated myself and I decided that I would not do anything that I wanted to do. <laughs> no major decisions. I'm like, all right, current Jonathan is not a good person. Past Jonathan may have been naive and stupid about things, but at least he, he was better than, than the current version of me. So I just decided I'm not going to make any major decisions. In fact, I got so depressed and was so oppressed that I decided, if you can believe it, 
I just literally threw my hands up. I'm like, I'm so depressed. I'm going to go to seminary. That's how I decided to, to go to uh, seminary. And that's how I moved to Massachusetts from, uh, from Santa Fe. <laughs> and I was like, God, this is literally what I thought. I'm like, God hates me because I have been so bad and failed so badly that he's sending me to spiritual Siberia, Massachusetts, and that's why I'm going there, because that is where the bad kids go. Like, that's where they get sent. <laughs> so um, that's how 10 days began. It's a real glorious um, beginning. And so in the midst of this, God begins to really to, to move in my life. And I start to realize that um, he hasn't brought me to Massachusetts because I've been a bad boy, but because he wants to restore me. And I start to... Um, encounter this, um, I get a prophetic word through a gentleman I know about the Song of Songs, about learning, getting to know Jesus as a gazelle. And I'm like, gazelle, what does that mean? He's like, it means the Song of Songs. And so I just start plugging into the Song of Songs. And I, you know, start realizing, you know, this revelation of the love of God is not this kind of weak side of Christianity, but it's actually central um, start really meditating on that. Start getting into the Proverbs and learning, wow, I had a lot of zeal, but I didn't have a lot of wisdom in how I approach things. And so as I'm coming up to our next 10 days of prayer, I am, I'm sort of like, I'm in, like, I'm almost recovered, but I say to God, basically, I'm, I'm afraid, right? So I had this experience, and then I tried to do it, and my whole life fell apart, like, my dog got hit, like I was a mess. Um, and I'm like afraid, I'm like, Lord, <laughs> the first time I did this, it took me nine months to recover, um, you know, help. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, Jonathan, last time you did this because you wanted something. And I knew what I wanted. I wanted revival in America. And he said, this time do it because you love me. And Ever since then, that shifted my mindset about how I do 10 days. I'm not doing it to see revival. Like, I'm not doing it. I mean, I want to see revival. Don't get me wrong. And, the, and, and when he said that to me, I saw this gazelle leaping over the mountains, like in a vision. It, it, I knew that represented that as we seek the Lord and in this way, that revival would soon come, that there would be a, a coming a revival and a coming of the Lord, the Lord's return, like, but that this was the way to seek him. Um, so, yeah, I just think if we seek him in that way and don't put the focus on all the things we want God to do, but focus on who he is and his worthiness, that we're actually going to see God do more, and it's not going to burn us out. Because it can be really disorienting, and I've seen this happen to a lot of other people, not just me, when you invest so much because you want to see God do something, and then it can be really disappointing when it doesn't happen the way you want it to. Has anyone ever seen that happen? Yeah? Okay. If you're around people who want to see revival, you've seen it happen. Um, but this is a corrective to that. This is a way that we can um, avoid that trap and... Um, I really encourage that because it's not fun to go through something like that. Um, why should we do 10 days? We should do 10 days because God makes very um, outrageous promises in the scriptures. 
when I uh, first started to get, exp like, sort of to have a personal awakening revival in my life, I was reading the Gospel of John in Greek. It was part of this class we were taking um, in, um, in our college. And I'm re basically, when you read in Greek, it's not like, I mean, you learn a little bit of Greek, but you, you're not really fluent. But what, you, what it makes you do is it makes you really slow down, and it makes you really take in the text. Um, because you don't, you know, you read a word, you're like, oh, I know that word, and then you read another word, and you're like, I don't know that word, you have to look it up. <laughs> and so I got to this part in John where Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away so that I can send the helper. And Jesus is talking all about this Holy Spirit, and I just have this realization, I don't believe that at all. Like, I, would, I don't believe it's to my advantage to have the Holy Spirit. I would much rather have Jesus sitting here with me right now than have the Holy Spirit. Like, who is this Holy Spirit? This is, he's not doing me any good. I'd rather just have a person I could talk to. And then the thought occurred to me, I'm probably wrong about that. Right? Maybe, like, I think the problem might be me. I think Jesus might be right, and I might be wrong. Right? And so that's, but that set me on a journey, realizing that set me on a journey of learning how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And now I'm like, yeah, I agree with the Word of God. My experience, I'd still want to see Jesus come back, of course, but my experience has, bears out more that reality of having the Holy Spirit in me is, it's to our advantage. Amen? So God makes these outlandish promises. Um, and his chosen means for um, receiving the answer or, or fulfilling these promises are us. <laughs> we're his plan. Um, he's going to give us his spirit and then work through us to fulfill these promises, to fulfill his purpose. That's, I don't know if that's a good plan, but that's his plan. So I'm, I'm assuming it's a good plan. Um, and his chosen means is through prayer and through us living, you know, sacrificial lives, living lives as living sacrifices. And so I think until we start to see the fullness and the fulfillment of these very outlandish promises, we should not just live life as normal, but we need to have responses that take these things seriously where we really begin to lay hold of them. Uh, there are four very specific scriptural promises um, that we lay hold of during 10 days that are kind of key to the movement. They're, they're like our intercessory focus. This is our prayer agenda, if you will, um, in terms of, of intercession, in terms of praying for things outside of ourselves. And it's um, Matthew 24, 14. Um, Sega is part of the 24, 14 movement, so um, very uh, core to... Her, but it's that the gospel of a kingdom would be preached in the whole earth as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So that every nation, every people group around the world would hear the gospel. Um, second main focus, second main outrageous promise that God makes. Um, I mean, can you imagine, well, going back to the, the gospel going to every nation, can you imagine that being spoken to the 12, and there's just a few of them, you know? And, you know, what kind of gumption you have to have to say, 
this is going to be preached to the whole world. Right? When there's just a little bitty group of you and the people who should be your friends, the Jewish leadership hate you and want to kill you. And you're saying, no, I think it's going to go to the whole world. And so here we are now, and there's around 2 billion people who would claim Jesus at some level. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. But there's still, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but there's still many, many unreached people groups and people um, who have never heard the name of Jesus. This is still unfulfilled. So this is something that we can lay hold of in prayer. As we lay hold of it in prayer and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, that's actually going to, um, these 10-day time periods are going to be like Acts 13 moments where God is actually going to release and empower people to go to the nations through these times. They're going to get activated in a calling, and he's going to send people out. Um, so, yeah, we want the gospel to go to the nations. Number two, John 17, there's going to be unprecedented and supernatural unity or oneness in the church. The Father is going to answer Jesus' prayer. I think until we are seeing the answer to that in fullness, we need to do things like 10 days that are kind of extreme. <laughs> because this is, an incredible, um, this is an incredible prayer. We're not seeing the fullness of it. Let's lay hold of him until we see it, right? I, I talked about this yesterday. And 10 days, as I mentioned yesterday as well, is both vertical and horizontal. So we're asking God to do it. We're also reaching out to our brother, to our sister, and we're pulling them together to be part of it. Um, number three, there's going to be a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is something we need to be asking God for. Um, this began in uh, Acts chapter 2. Um, but I believe that um, Joel 2, 28 to 30, um, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh before the great and awesome day of the Lord is going to have a corresponding and maybe even greater fulfillment prior to the return of Jesus. Um, because the context originally um, in Joel 2, 28 is that it's prior to the return of the Lord. So when you, when you hang out in revival circles, like this is the one everybody really gets, right? <laughs> They're like, yeah, pour out your spirit, God. Um, but that, is, that happens through prayer um, and through us laying hold of the Lord, through us petitioning him. So we want to see that scripture fulfilled. And then finally, um, not least, but just this is just the order that I put it in, there's going to be widespread salvation among the Jewish people. This is sort of a complement to the first one, which was about the nations. Um, but in Romans 9 through 11, we see God's plan that although Israel, um, the Jewish people, have not, you know, did not recognize their Messiah in a large part during his first coming, that prior to the Lord's return, that there's going to be a massive ingathering from among the Jewish people, that they're going to recognize him. I'll just say this. I think that phrase, Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before I return. My people, I think, has a double meaning, that it's the church, it's the saints, but it's also the Jewish people, my people. And you can see that happening prophetically in places like Zechariah 12, where it talks about how the Jewish people will look on the one whom they have pierced, 
and they will mourn for him as for an only child. So it's like this sudden realization piercing their hearts of who their Messiah is and that they have pierced him. That they've, and that's, that's powerful, right? That's predicted that that's going to happen. And so, but it's through prayer. It's through worship. It's through, us, it's through faith, right? It's through agreement where earth is agreeing with heaven that we see that begin to happen. Those bowls in heaven being filled. Uh, those, uh, yeah, enough said. Um, Ten days is a tool for city transformation. In the early uh, 2000s, I started to hear stories of transformation happening that was really unbelievable. Um, communities where 90% of the city would be born again. Um, places where uh, the land was literally being healed. Places that were unproductive um, in terms of, uh, um, you know, produce all of a sudden becoming like the breadbasket of the region when that region turned to God. So it was a holistic transformation. Cities like Amalanga in Guatemala, where it went from being um, impoverished, crime-ridden, the church being oppressed, persecuted, um, to all the jails being empty <laughs> because there's no crime and like police have nothing to do. Um, went from being extremely poor to having harvests like nothing else, supernatural grace on the land. Um, I heard about places in Fiji where the rivers um, that had been um, poisoned, like when God moved in a community, they would become sweet again. Um, I started hearing stories, this was a crazy one, uh, a place in Fiji where the coral reef had died um, the agriculture was overrun by wild pigs, so they had nothing from the sea. They had nothing from the land. Um, and then as they repented and sought God's face as a village, as a community, um, God literally sent fire from heaven and the coral reef came back to life with the fish. And the people could just go out and scoop up fish with a bucket where there had been none. Coral reefs don't come back to life. That's not something that they do. Um, and uh, you know, just these mind-blowing testimonies. And so I, I got to hear the Fijians share about their strategy. And here was their strategy for transforming villages. Um, they would get invited by the chief. So it's a tribal culture. So I wish we were a tribal culture. It'd be easier to do 10 days. But they would get invited by the chief into the village. There was this healing the land team. And the chief would shut everything down in the village for seven to 10 days. Sound familiar, right? Okay, they would meet three times a day. There would be prayer, there would be repentance, worship. People would get rid of their idols, in this case, often literal idols. People would be reconciled one to another who had conflicts. And then usually they said by about the sixth or seventh day, God would come to town. There would be a notable shift in the community where the Lord began to actively rule and reign. And they said oftentimes it would be indicated by rain coming, like, like rain in the natural. 
as a sign of the grace of God. And then they said the spiritual atmosphere would change. Miracles would become very common. It would be easy to be righteous. And, and they would describe how you could even just sense the difference in going from one village to another. Even just crossing over the border, you could feel the change. So these very amazing stories, I started to hear them. Um, I was intrigued. And I realized that 10 days when I got the vision was a vision for this kind of thing to happen, right? It's exactly what they were doing in Fiji, um, <laughs> which is really cool. We've seen this happen um, in different settings. Um, so this is more than just like a cool theory. We've actually seen this happen. Um, Lewis, several years ago, shared a testimony of, um, about Bridgeport that I would describe as being transformational. It had the same pattern as those transformations that we've seen in other places. Um, so I'm, that's his story, I'm not gonna share it, but we saw this happen in a retreat context in 2008. On the seventh day, it was interesting. It was, I was frustrated, the, the retreat, there wasn't this sense of unity that we had had in previous years or just this heavy sense of God's presence. Everything was fine, it just wasn't what I wanted. And on the seventh day, I started to experience these like, what, labor pains. And Because my wife had just had a baby, so I, I was getting away, I was like heaving. It would come in waves like every five minutes, I'd start moaning and groaning and crying. And I'm like, I'm like this is weird, I'm like in labor. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I was confused. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, I'm a dude. This is weird. Um, and uh, little did I know that people all over the building were experiencing the same thing at that time. That afternoon, um, I heard, I was outside talking with someone. They were having their session in there. I heard a shofar go off in the prayer room. And listen, you shofar blowers out there, this is not an excuse to blow the shofar all the time. But this particular one just had this uh, anointing on it. And me and this woman um, that were out there, Barbara, we were talking with another person. And we both looked at each other and we were like, we got to go. Bye. And so we went into the prayer room and there was like an outpouring of the spirit happening. And just several people sovereignly got baptized in the spirit in terms of like speaking in tongues. Um, while we were there, God was giving other gifts as well. It was just this incredible thing. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is happening now. This is what I was looking for. You know, because I was, I was telling God, like, hey, if we can't even get a measure of John 17 when all we're doing is praying for 10 days, how is this ever going to happen in the church? So we saw this outpouring start to happen, and then all the stuff started to break out. That night... We were gathered together uh, for worship, and this young man got up, and he had a word. He said, God is going to send rain in the natural tonight as a sign of what he's doing in the spirit. And as soon as he said that, that God is going to send rain, the whole room smelled like rain. And you heard, he said it, and then you just heard everyone gasp after they breathed that smell. You know that, you know that smell of rain? And it had been a totally sunny day, so I... I went outside and I'm looking up and I'm like, there's no clouds. You could see all the stars. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay, what's going on? This is really crazy. And so we had an incredible night. God was moving powerfully. And then as, we, as I went to bed, it was probably after midnight because it just kept going. 
I heard as I walked in towards my bed through the open window the sound of this gentle soaking rain. And then the next three days were kind of, you know, pretty unprecedented in my life. It was just this weighty presence of the Lord. But I, and, and then I started to remember, I'm like, I think we're experiencing what we've heard about from these transformed communities, except we're in a retreat context. But that's what I think, that's what I think we could experience in cities, except when it's over, people don't all go in their separate ways, but, but they stay and they, and they remain in it. And then we learn how to steward that level of breakthrough. I think that's a, that's a challenge because some of these transformed cities have had a level of breakthrough and then gone back. And so we, we have to learn how to experience breakthroughs and then maintain, you know? Okay. How am I doing on time? Good. Um, we should do 10 days because it's personal. Um, you know, the parable of the virgins, there's five who were wise and five who were foolish. I can't get oil for you. Only you can get oil for you. Oil is the oil of intimacy. It's, you know, knowing God. We don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise. This is a chance to get oil. This is like what this is for. This is a chance to go deep in your relationship with God. Um, I had this image once, and, and the Lord was saying to me that through these con- kinds of consecrated times, it's like, it's like a tree that can grow in a few days what it would normally take a year to grow, right? And so as we're in an accelerated season approaching the return of the Lord, we need to redeem the time as best we can and use it to get oil. And it should be really sobering because it's, you know, you can't get this by impartation. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the wise virgins couldn't give it to the foolish. It's something that everyone has to get for themselves. Um, I find that, very, I, I don't know, I find that very sobering. Um, because of this reality of they're all virgins, they all fall asleep, and yet five are excluded. Um, and so I think there's just, it's meant to put, put the fear of God into us, to really know him, to really cultivate that place of intimacy, and to have additional oil beyond what we think we need, right? Because they all thought they had enough, but to have that reserve... Um, It's funny in life how circumstances come and you realize you don't have the reserves to face them, right? It catches you off guard. You think you're fine, and then all of a sudden, wham, and you're like on your back. So 10 days is just a way to be intentional about cultivating that place and having those reserves of oil in us, that relationship with the Lord. Okay, 10 days is about beautifying the bride. Um, Lewis had this great word last year. He said, 10 days is beauty school for the bride. Um, scripture, scripture prophesies about a wedding. That's really the arc of, arc of Scripture. It starts with a wedding in Genesis 3, and it ends with a wedding, right? The bride is going to look good. Amen? Um, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
so that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I think there's still a few blemishes left in the church, right? So this is a time to come into a consecrated season of preparation uh, for the wedding. You know, it's, it's interesting how when it all started in Acts 2, there was a similar time of consecration. There was this 10-day time of consecration in preparation for the promise of the Father to come. And now as we're awaiting the return of the Son, I believe God's calling us back to that place. Um, there's this great passage in the Song of Songs that says, Take me back to the apple tree, under the apple tree, the place um, where um, my mother conceived me. So it's, it's this sense of take, coming back to the beginning. And I believe that's what God's calling us to do, even as the church was born in 10 days. Now he's saying, hey, come back to where you started to be beautified, to be prepared. Come back to that upper room place to be prepared to enter into um, the fullness. So I believe this is part of how God is going to get the church ready, how we're going to get those fine linen garments that represent righteousness. These times are really incredible um, in terms of how God does a work in your own heart. Um, I tell people it's not like um, getting an oil change. It's not like filling up with gas. This is this is the kind of thing where you, you bring the car into the mechanic and the mechanic says, hey, just leave her with me for a while, right? Because he's going to do some real work. And a lot of times God won't begin a deep work in us until we give him enough time to finish it. Does, does that make sense? So this is a time to come into a place of real repentance, meaning a change of our mind, where we are open to the Lord and allow him sufficient time to deal with some of the deep-seated things in our own heart. Does that, does that make sense? And we need that, right? Because you don't know what's wrong with you. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't know how to fix me. <laughs> Someone was saying this great phrase. Um, it, it was like, you're really complicated, and you don't know how to set the clock on your microwave. You know, I'm like, wow, that's, that's true. I am really complicated, and I don't know how to set the clock on my microwave. Maybe I don't know how to fix me, right? But God does. And when we um, enter into these times, it's like God can pull things out of us. He can rearrange us. He can, um, yeah, just just upgrade us, you know. Uh, I, I didn't share any of this stuff with, with some friends of mine, but we were doing 10 days together, and, and so God started speaking prophetically, and one guy was like, the Lord is showing me we've been driving, that I've been driving 100 miles an hour, and I'm driving in this beat-up old VW bug. <laughs> And he's saying, like, I need to come into the shop and stop. And I'm like, yes, that sounds, that's exactly what he's saying. Like, that's exactly what needs to happen. We need to slow down. We need to stop and let him just begin to do a deep work. Um, we had one, one year, this is a funny story, but um, we'd been there eight days, right, or seven days. So on the eighth day, this woman starts manifesting a demon. And we had these new people there that hadn't been there the whole time. And this girl looks at me, and she's like, is this what every session is like? And I'm like, 
No, I've never, that's never happened before. But so, she, so the demon gets cast out and she's free. And, you know, you can see the change in her. It's powerful. But, you know, just that, that thought came to mind, like this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so it wasn't like until the eighth day that it happened. It, it's not always going to be that dramatic, but I think there's things like that. I remember another story. A woman came, two, two women came together and they were there for three days, and God was just doing this real quiet work. It was powerful. It was deep, but it was quiet. And on Saturday night, one of the women was like, I came here thinking God was going to touch me, but he hasn't. I'm going home. So she left. And the next morning, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a really relaxed morning. We're not going to do anything special. We're just going to like, it was Sunday morning. So we're going to take the day mainly to rest. We're just going to have a little worship time in the morning, and then we'll leave. And so then the Holy Spirit invaded our meeting. And the woman who came with her was getting completely touched by God and ministered to and wrecked. But the other one had gone just a little bit before. <laughs> she just stuck around another day. You know, she could have had her moment with the Lord that she was longing for, that she was looking for. So there's something about these sustained times that God uses to beautify the bride. Uh, finally, why should we do 10 days? Because Jesus is coming back. 10 days is unapologetically um, a unity thing and also unapologetically focused on the return of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I figure if it was... Um, the last days, 2,000 years ago, we're really in the last days now. I'm not sure what you'd call it, right? Um, the last of the last, yeah. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if the Lord will return in my lifetime or my children or, you know, I don't have any claim to know about special dates or anything like that. But I think we can see from the signs of the times that definitely a lot of things, um, positive and negative that are related to the end times are, are swirling. Um, I love this name that Scripture calls us as the people of God, those who love the day of his appearing, right? And he teaches us to pray that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to pray for the Lord to return. Um, and so that's got to be the cry of our heart. Um, I always like to talk about the desire issue. One of the elements of the beauty of the bride, I believe, has got to be purity of heart, right? Purity of heart meaning purity of desire. Um, I don't think the Lord is coming back for a church where he's all excited to be married to us, and we're sort of like... Could you put it off for a little while, right? I think he's coming back to a church where our desire is going to match his desire. And so 10 days is a time to let that desire awaken in the people of God, to focus on his return, to be intentional about longing for his coming. Jesus said that the, the friends of the bridegroom, they wouldn't uh, fast while he was with them. But then it went, when he was taken away, then they would mourn, right? Romans 8 talks about this longing that's not only in us, but it's in creation itself, right? To be set free from futility 
And then we who have the first fruits of the Spirit are also groaning to be set free into this glorious liberty. Um, so that's something that 10 days is meant to unlock in the church, this longing for the Lord's return, um, this awakening of it. And that longing, that desire, that cry is actually part of how it ties into how the whole plan gets knit together because God always does things in partnership with his people. So it's as we agree with him and his priorities on the earth and begin to release a cry, this heartfelt desire rising to heaven that's actually going to unlock God's plans and purposes in accordance with his own preordained time scheme. It's kind of cool. But the, the means that he's given is us. It's, it's the cry of his people um, that is his means for releasing events throughout history. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. So that's why we should do 10 days. Just to sum it up, this is God's idea. So we should do it for obedience. It's extravagant love for God. Let's not do it because we want God to do something. Of course we want God to do things, but let's just not let that be our main motivation where we get offended with him if these things don't happen. Amen? Because um, that's not fun, and I don't want you guys to be depressed for nine months. Um, <laughs> God has made incredible promises in Scripture and we need to lay hold of those until we see them manifest, right? If we'll lay hold of them in faith, we will see them. Um, or our children will, you know, it's, but it's going to happen. Um, it's a tool for city transformation. We want to see cities transform. Cities in the West, we want to see the kind of things that have happened in Fiji and in Guatemala and in, in different cities around the world. We want to see those happen here um, and everywhere. It doesn't have to just be here. Um, it's personal. You can't get this oil from someone else. You have to get it yourself. This is how God is beautifying the bride, one of the means. And finally, Jesus is coming. So let's get ready. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your word, the beauty of your plan. Lord, we just I pray right now, Lord, that um, we just have a sense of conviction about this, Lord, to be able to call others into this time of consecration to you, Lord. It's your idea. We want to have grace to call others into it so that the bride can be beautified and prepared for your coming. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, any questions or any thoughts about what was shared just now? Definitely, yeah, we can definitely do that. Anybody else? This is being recorded by by Google and Amazon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Great. Well, why don't we take, um, oh, I'm just going to mention this. This is just on my mind during worship. Um, if anyone feels led to or wants to help with um, some of the national needs of the movement. Uh, we have sort of a smaller team, and we've had some people come and go, but that's an area where we could really use help, things like working on websites, um, you know, updating, things like that. 
I try to do that stuff. I'm not great at it. Um, but that's something that we could use help. So I just wanted to mention that um, real quick. And then let's just take a 15-minute break. Um, when we come back at 11, we're going to hear from um, people who've been doing 10 days. And we just want to have kind of like story time. And uh, I'm looking at you, man. And uh, just be able to share stories about what this has looked like. Because I think like a lot of times the best learning is where we can just hear each other's stories and see what's happened.